Welcome to the UK Educators Community Podcast hosted by Sid, an outstanding woman in STEM award winner, serial entrepreneur and educational consultant. Now, my vision is to make maximum impact in the world through education, but I know I can't do this alone. So this is where you guys come in. Why don't you join me on this journey as we as educators and entrepreneurs create impact one child at a time? Join my Facebook group at UK Educators or find some great resources on my website at ukeducators.com. So those of you that know me will know that I run Little Speakers Club and a couple of years ago I was doing some research on Facebook having a look at who else is doing something similar and I know I talk about looking at your competition it wasn't so much of that it was more more trying to find what kind of stuff is already out there and whether I could take certain names because I was trying to create a Facebook page and seeing whether there's anything similar out there that people are going to be searching because I like to be different. (laughs) And there wasn't another little speakers, but I came across a public speaking course for kids all the way in Canada. So tonight we've got Hassan Wadi all the way from Canada. I think it's 6 p.m. for you guys, right? 6.07. 6.07. It's 11.07 here. Um, So welcome, Hassan. Do you want to tell us a bit about your background uh, before we get on to your speaking? Thank you so much for having me. Welcome, UK, my UK people. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. So yes, background. Well, uh, I started off, uh, my career was in fitness. It's still in fitness. I managed two gyms for my full-time job. But through my full-time job, I was just a trainer at the time. But when I got management position, the city of Mississauga, I work for, it's a city in Canada, in Ontario, which is in Canada. I realized how important it was to speak. As I wanted to move up the ladder and, and get leadership positions, management positions, I realized that, you know, in order to be able to do that, you have to be able to communicate. You cannot lead without communication. So I had to do presentations. I had to be in meetings. I had to speak to big people, counselors, mayors. And through that, I said, you know what? I need to prove this skill. So I joined. I'm not sure if you guys got this in UK. I'm sure you do. Of course you do. Toastmasters. You guys got Toastmasters mm-hmm. there? Yeah. So I joined Toastmasters. That's how it started for me about four years ago. And I remember it took me about a year to do my first speech. So like I wasn't like comfortable at all. And I wanted to quit like every month. It was, it was kind of annoying. Like, I didn't like going. But then once I did my first speech, I said, wow, I like this. I like this. And I did my second speech, third speech. I started joining contests, competitions. And then I just got better and better. And I became the president of the club. I won competitions. and. And from that, I got promotions within my job. And then I realized, wow, speaking is so important. Mm. What if I could teach a skill to others so that they don't have to go through what I went through and they could be ready when they get their jobs, whether they're engineers, doctors, mechanics, scientists like you are, uh, you know, anything, you know, if you can speak, you know, you could do so much more. I I was just watching another video saying communications increases your value by 50%. Wow. So what do you do, you know? improving your communication will increase your value by 50%. And that's how I got into Youth Speaker Academy, which I, where I teach kids public speaking like yours, which is uh, Little Speakers, right? Little Speakers mm. Club? Similar vision. And yeah, that's why I'm here today. So a little bit of fitness, a little bit of public speaking. You know, what's really interesting. I didn't know about way, like your history into public speaking. I thought you'd been doing it a lot longer than that. My journey is identical, mm. right? So I started around four years ago. <laughs> Four years ago, but not Toastmasters, I started with a smaller company called Speak Up, the Speak Up Challenge. Very similar. um, The free or charged? That was charged. And I knew I needed to do something charged because if it's free, I'm not going to turn up. 
course, I know. Yeah, so, sure. um, you value something when you put money into it, right? So I that was a three months course. And I remember doing my first speech and I was terrified. Once you're on the stage and you've done it, the feeling of satisfaction and the buzzing feeling that you feel, because you're on a high, right? And I loved it. I loved it. And then from there, I did another one, did another one. I got my radio show, started doing radio for two years. And then from there, it just kind of, I loved being on stage. I got a buzz from it. And I had a similar sort of kind of thinking where, what if I'd learned this when I was younger? Mm. I was a shy kid at school. I didn't like putting my hand up. I didn't like getting involved. It's a similar journey to what you've just said. And I started up Little Speakers two and a half, maybe three years ago. I can't remember. Because of COVID, it feels like yeah. Mr. Year. So I think I it was three years ago now. And you go you go as young as five years old, I think. Yes, yeah, so you go younger than me. I, st- I start at seven, but I believe you start at five. Yeah. Youngest was a five-year-old and she impressed everyone with her speech. She's so the younger ones are the best ones. Yeah, yeah. It's just tough because you can't put the five-year-olds with like nine-year-olds and eight-year-olds. So the younger you go, you got to like now have more divisions because kids don't. That's oh. what I realized because the first so, time I did put everybody together. Nobody want to be with younger. Like if you're 15, you don't want to be with a 10-year-old. You know? We did mixed. So we had five to 14 in the same group. Oh, I did that. It was a disaster. Uh, there's there's lots of tricks to it lots of tricks of doing ability and I think you need to have a lot of practice so I had a lot of practice for my science element and then all our skills-based stuff is always even art I do 5 to 14 science I do 5 to 14 so I've always done that big division but your background is not teaching right no it's not so how have you found I guess even from a gym perspective you're still educating right you're telling people you're you're training you're instructing so it's it's some kind of teaching you're instructing adult audience and kids as well sometimes you know either it's a group class or you have up to i had up to a thousand people or as little as one personal training right so similar i would personally say it's still within the education sphere you're still training people you're still teaching you're sharing your knowledge across right so how did you find that transition because a lot of people a lot of the audience are already teachers they're established they've been qualified teachers or they've gone into tutoring many years ago how did you find that transition starting an education business which is what it is from not coming from a qualified teacher background well i mean i was going to go into teaching that was my initial thing i went to kinesiology to be a gym teacher that was my first goal so kind of it was something in line with what i wanted to do i knew it was something like something that i was good at i just didn't pursue it because i there the opportunities were not there for teaching so it was kind of in my blood already so when i got into it kids and i'm good with kids so i can and i'm good at public speaking so it kind of worked together. I think I, and that's why I tell people, if you're going to do something, do something you're good at. And I felt like this aligned in different ways, the speaking, the teaching, and the, what, you know, the business, it, it kind of connected together and, and it worked out. But it, something like this, you have to be good at. I mean, you can have maybe a class here and there of like five students, but if you want to be teaching hundreds, it won't work because kids lose interest really quickly. And once they lose interest, that's it. You're gone. You're done. It's a very, very, very challenging thing. Probably the hardest thing ever is teaching kids, especially when it's paid because you got to keep them. You got to retain them. And if they ain't having fun, they ain't coming back. Four years ago, when you first started doing public speaking, did you realize that that was your calling? You've hosted big events since. Uh, You've won lots of awards with your speaking. So do you feel that that is your calling? Oh, yes. I feel like it's part of my purpose. You know, I feel like people can have multiple callings and each calling may be like connected to a talent of yours. Right. 
And so through speaking, I was able to open the academy. I was able to do events, fundraisers. I'm the spokesperson for a charity. So, you know, just last year I raised more than a hundred thousand through videos and stuff like that. So through speaking, I've been able to do a lot, but also I'm in fitness. So through fitness, I was able to do a lot too. So I think, um, you know, our goal should be to get out there and discover what our talents are. And then through those talents, you know, ask yourself, how can you make a career out of these talents and how you can give back to your community? So whether it's through the youth, whether it's through seniors, whether it's through your community, I'm also not just locally, but internationally as well. You know, people around the world, when people do that, doing it through their talents, that's when they'll do the best work, right? If you're a speaker, how can you help others through speaking? If you're a chef, how can you help others through being a chef? If you're a scientist, how can you help others through being a scientist? That is when the best work will come. And, and I think that's what my focus has been on now. But it, the, the key thing is discovering what that talent is. And many people live their whole life without discovering it. So. And four years ago, before you even started going to Toastmasters, you were so close to not discovering that had you not taken that step. So what would be your tips in... If people are kind of going, well, I don't really know what my calling is right now. Like, I know what I enjoy doing, but I don't know what my skills are really, like what my strengths are. What would you kind of suggest to them? The the speaking just kind of happened and then you realized after, right? So what would you suggest to people that are listening and they haven't found what they're good at yet? Try something new and you discover something different. So a lot of people do the same thing over and over. If you do the same thing, that's all you're going to know. If Michael Jordan never played basketball, there would be no Michael Jordan. Think about it that way, right? So if he played soccer and that's all he played, he may have been just an average guy because he probably wasn't that good at soccer, but he didn't know that he was amazing at basketball. So, and I discovered public speaking in that same manner. I had the opportunity to do it. My boss asked me to fill in for a presentation. I could have said, no, it wasn't my field of a fitness guy, but I said, yes, I bombed that presentation. It was terrible. But because of that presentation, I decided to take training. So it was that opportunity that I decided to take that led me to, to discovering my other talent, which was public speaking. And that's not the only talent. I'm sure there's much more, but that will only be discovered as I go there and try more new things. So my biggest recommendation, and this is the biggest thing that I teach the youth, because my academy is not just public speaking, it's leadership as well. Part of their training, like level two, they'll have to get out there and volunteer and get part-time jobs and do different things is to go out and experience the world because that is the only way you will discover, you know, what you're good at, what you suck at, what your strengths are, what your talents are, what your passions are. And then after that, you know, a lot of people have the thought is, let me make my weaknesses better. That's a waste of time. You know, I, I tell the kids now is figure out what your strengths are and just focus on your strengths. You, you were huh? so bad at the presentation that you went to kind of learn from my my talent was hidden right a talent was hidden just like even the best basketball player in the world maybe their first time playing basketball they won't be good because they just don't know they have never played it it's new to them but once they discover or maybe just like even the video if you're playing a new video game you could be the best but the first time you're figuring it out and you might suck the first time or two times but maybe if you have if you have a talent for that specific experience you will get good really quick you know I, i wasn't good initially I was scared. So it wasn't that I wasn't really good. I was too shy to actually speak up and took me so long to do my first speech. And when I did my first speech, I knew I was good. And that's what it took. It took me, you know, to finally get out there and do it. But my first presentation before all the speeches, before Toastmasters, yeah, it it wasn't the best because I've never been in that, you know, situation before. But you got to try something new. Doesn't mean you're going to be good right away. Like I said, it could be that it may take a few times before that talent comes out. 
talent alone is not enough either. It's you got to put effort behind the talent, right? Do you talk so, about, I, I, don't, I don't know how it is in Canada, like in, in the UK, we talk about growth mindset. I think it's an American idea. So have you heard of growth mindset before? Yeah, yeah. You know, con, con, well, growth mindset. I mean, it's the definitions in the name. Like, you know, you want to constantly grow. And, and mm. I think one of the keys to happiness, I think Tony Robbins was saying this, is, is progress. And if we're not progressing, we, that's when depression comes. And that's when we start feeling down. And so it's like we have to constantly progress, you know, and whether it's through what we're doing now, whether it's discovering something new or um, so we got to constantly be moving forward and growing. So that's, mm. I guess, what, what's your take on the growth mindset? So growth mindset that when you hit a point like you did, you you kind of failed on that first presentation to kind of go, right, well, how can I learn from this? You then went out and went and found Toastmasters to give you the tools that you needed to be able to succeed. So it's the idea that our intelligence is not limited to what we are right now. It's not fixed, right? We can go and we can kind of go, right, I'm not good at this yet, but I can learn, I can put the effort in, I can try out different things and I can get better at it. So I could have embed that in my teaching and the way that I approach things. You probably do it as well without realizing you probably do it in your public speaking courses with the kids. Like you said, you don't want to give something like don't right away think that some, if it's not good the first time that you're not good at it. You have to give your 100% effort before you figure out whether that thing that you're doing is something that you're good at or not, right? Now, I do put that, like you mentioned, yeah, it's part of my curriculum. So we talk about effort and we talk about talent. That's like week three or week four, part of level one. Because it's not just public speaking, it's public speaking and leadership. So one week we focus on one thing, next week we focus on another thing. But yeah, sometimes talents require a little bit of effort for them to come mm-hmm. out. So don't necessarily uh, jump the gun and think, oh, no, I'm not good at this because you failed once. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit of more effort to bring out that talent. It's like watering a seed, you know, um, and it eventually turns into a tree. But if uh, what I, my recommendation is if, if, if you're not good at something, don't waste so much time on trying to be better at something that you suck at. Because if you suck at it, it you will improve. You might become average. But someone who is really good at it because that's their talent, they're going to be extraordinary. They're going to be excellent. They're going to be above and beyond. It's going to be very hard for you to be that good if it's not your strength. So and this, I got this from a book called Strength Finders, actually. It's an amazing book. After I read that book, I just changed the way I looked at everything. And it talks about figuring out what your strengths are and pursuing those. And that is how you will be like the best at what you do, you know? So um, in, 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 in talks about how scary it is that, you know, most people live and die without discovering their talents. The thing that scares me is I always think that things happen for a reason. And sometimes we stop things from happening or we kind of change change something by reacting differently than what we should and you're probably thinking you look at you look back in hindsight and you're like well if I'd not done that like how would have my life planned out and it's quite scary because it would have been completely different had you done that one thing differently and you just don't know what you don't know you don't know right and I think I find that really kind of scary like you're always constantly changing your path by just little things that you're doing um, and you don't know how your path is going to end up being. Like I spoke to you for the first time three years ago, I, like or four years ago, and I said, oh, Hassan, we do the same thing. You're in Canada. I'm in the UK. How would I have known two, four years later I would be speaking to you on a podcast, right? We might end up working together on a project in the future. You don't know, but that one contact that you might miss because you're looking at someone, you're like, oh, I don't know whether I'll connect with them today right you're missing an opportunity potentially and I think that's the bit that scares me like not knowing what you don't know because you didn't Uh, do something 
it's true. And there's a, a quote, I think it says, the smallest decision sometimes can change your life forever. Like it's the smallest thing. Like if I didn't take that opportunity, I would have never maybe discovered speaking. If you never reached out to that one person, maybe your whole career forever could change. Like it's mm. one tiny thing can change your life forever. So that is why another quote by Richard Branson, Richard Branson that says, you know, if, if a great opportunity comes your way, you're not sure if you could do it or not sure if, if you know how to do it, just say yes and learn how to do it later. A lot of people tend to not do things because they feel like they're not ready enough or they're not good enough or they don't have it in them. And that could be the decision that maybe stopped them from yeah. going that totally crazy, cool life direction um, that no that they said when it should have been a yes. A lot of people don't do things because they wait for perfection or they feel like they're not ready yet. And that's complete nonsense. Most of the stuff that I did, I did when I wasn't like, not even like 50%. When I did my academy, I had 150 students registered and I didn't have a curriculum. I didn't have a book. I didn't have certificates. I had nothing. Uh, the sales came in before I had anything, no logo, no website. So I'm like, damn, now the parents paid and I got to perform. So I got ready along the way. I never taught like that many students in one class. It was all like learning, experimenting and like, putting together as I, as I went. So don't wait to be perfect. Just, just go and just get started, you know? And another quote, it was about, uh, it goes on, you know, you don't have to be great to get started, but you have to start to be great. So it's, it's all about the start. Like if you never do the start, everything else is not mm. never going to happen. Right. So just get started. The, just the quote that you were mentioning, the first one that you mentioned, I just saw it today on Facebook. Someone had posted it. Um, and it's such a, and it, and it stopped me in my tracks. I was uh, flicking through Facebook. and I was like, oh, look at that. And I think it's a really powerful quote. Just going back to your academy for people that are new to you, which a lot of people will be. I know a bit about what you do, but tell us a bit about your journey, when you, how you started up, how many students you've kind of worked with, the structure of your programs, just so people know a bit more about who you are, what you do, and what you've achieved in those four years. For sure. So the Academy has been going for a year now, about a year and maybe two months. And uh, like I said, I started it first. It was just one class I did for free. There was no Academy. I was just like doing like a class in a mosque. I'm like, yeah, let's just, you know, it was like very informal. And then I left it for a while. And then I, and then, uh, I had parents messaging me and contact me. Oh, why don't you do that? I'm like, sister, it was just one time for free. Like, it's not, you know, I don't have time. I have a full-time job. And then I kept getting messages and stuff. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe, this, maybe I could turn this into something more. So then that's when I started the academy. My goal was just 20 students in Mississauga, which is my city. And then 20 students in Milton, which is another city. And then uh, that first batch, I ended up getting about 150 students that were signed up. You weren't going to do it. Like the parents pushed like, you. <laughs> yeah, parents kept bugging me. So I was like, you know what? And yeah, and then you sometimes think if they hadn't pushed you, you wouldn't have done it. And then yeah. if you hadn't done it, you wouldn't be here. And it's all those little things that happen in your life that you don't realize and appreciate until after they've passed. And you're like, yeah. I've got that person to thank for that, for like pushing me and keep bugging me, even though it was so annoying at the time. You know, in life, sometimes you get these pushes, you get these little nudges. And, and those are all signs, I feel like, you know, those parents pushing me were signs. Like, you know, like, what are you doing? Go do it. And I'm like, guys, I'm not doing it. If it's free, like I, I can't be dedicating all this time. If you want to deliver something great, free is not the answer. So that's why I said, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I told the parents, I got to charge and I got to do it right. You know, professional certificates, professional books, everything in color. Like 
I'll do it. I'll do it right, but I'm charging. So that's what I did. I charged, and you know, I had it was two hour classes. I had pizza every class. I mean, every a full day, I would have more than twenty boxes of pizza. The pizza guy was like in a man. He was his business was was blowing up, man. He was coming every two hours, <laughs> delivering pizza, and uh, I had books, and, and then at the end graduation, I had uh, had all of them together. We had more than five hundred people in a gymnasium with a backdrop, table covers, centerpieces food for 500 people I and all the photos it was so impressive like the awards yeah. evening was so impressive yeah so you know what you go big right now that there's money you can do more right if it was free you can't do that so it's like it's those opportunities come up and from there uh, since then we've, we've been more than 700 uh, students that graduated since corona we had to convert to online which worked out perfectly and now we do it online yeah i do it online uh we connected i don't know if you guys have ymca in the uk do you know do you have a ymca in the uk yeah yeah so you know ymca is one of my clients teach their students now i work with uh, mosques i work with schools and uh it's i think those partnerships helped a lot you know, because they have the students there already. They have the market. So that's the journey so far. I'm looking forward to see uh, what the future has in store, you know. So now that you're doing it online, are you finding that your audience has expanded globally as well? Yeah, yeah. So have, I have opened it up for everybody. Like I thought it was going to be worse, but like I've had much more students online than in person. Parents didn't want to do it online initially. So it was, it was a challenge. I had to I had to try a few times. And uh, as Corona went on, their mindsets changed a little bit and it became easier to, to sell. Initially, they're like, oh, public speaking online, that's a waste of money. Yeah, I'm like, what? It's public speaking. You're going you're gonna to have to do video there too. Like it's not all in person, you know, so they accepted it more now. So do you charge the same? And this is a question that educators ask like a lot, like tutors ask, should we charge the same online or should we charge less online? Oh, do you charge the same online? What, like, what's your take on this? It's a good one. That's a good one. I, I, I drastically reduced it, but I had to do that because I found that the market is the market. You can't like change people's minds, right? So like what you and I were, like what I was offering before COVID, which was more like the science experiences and the workshops, you can't duplicate the experience online. Right, with tutoring. For that stuff you can't. For that stuff you can't. Yes. Yeah. The science, the science, I see you got frogs. You got ducks. You got like. Not quite frogs. We had eyeballs and brains, not frogs <laughs> and ducks. <laughs> but you can't, you can't get them to dress up the same way. You can't yeah. have the equipment, so you can't duplicate the experience. And I think for you, it was the experience of being part of the event and like the, the way that you did it. And for me, I don't think there should be a big difference. To be honest, like they, there's not much different other than being in person. And in public speaking, there's not much to it. Like you guys got the gowns and you got this and you got that. Whereas public speaking, you're just speaking. The only difference is camera and not camera. The graduation was a special thing. Like, I won't do that again. I did that, you know, it was a lot of work. But I did it because photos, videos, and you know, it was my first batch. So something special for the first ever students. But really, there is no difference other than ones on camera, ones in person. But initially, parents, the, the value they had for it was less. So you can't change that in parents' minds. So you can't change the same and expect them to expect it. So I cut my price in half. So it was a big, big cut. But you know what? That allowed me to get a lot of people signed up. And now, months later, like my next batch, I'm experimenting with going up a little bit higher because it should be very close. It shouldn't be a big difference. And I know other people, public speaking, and they're charging like same as in person. So it's just hard now that you've reduced it to bring it back up. So that's part of the challenge. It's got to be gradually and it's got to be slowly. I'm slowly bringing it back up to bring it close to the in-person. It won't be, I think, 100% the same, but it should be similar, at least for public speaking, I feel. Not for yours, it is different. 
for yeah, for mine, I think it's you can't do that. You can do alternative versions, but you can't do the same experience online. So I've had to put everything on pause from that perspective and do other things in the meantime. From that kind of public speaking perspective, teaching online, have you found that it's more work for you doing it online? That's less work, much less work. I love, <laughs> I love the online. Uh, I love the in person too, but. But, um, you know, it's at your home. You turn on your laptop, boom, you get started. The books, certificates, everything is virtual, so you don't have to print. It's a lot, a lot easier, but a lot harder to teach, I find, because you got to keep people engaged. You got to keep them, turn your camera, turn your mic, you know, stop messing with me, this, this, that. That takes energy. So so it's more energy draining, I would say. Yeah, but definitely. You don't have to drive. You don't come back. Yeah. Go to the print shop, come back. These things take time. And then the times between the classes sometimes, you know, Whereas here, you're just home, right? You can go do your thing, come back. And I think from my perspective, I kind of think back and I'm like, how did I manage all that? You're probably thinking the same. Like, how did you manage all of that? And you had a full-time job as well. And you did such a big event as your on your first year. It was massive because I did a graduation event two, three years ago. I think it might have been the, around about the same time that you did it. Mine's was not anywhere near the scale that you did yours. Yeah, well, I, I, I spent thousands on that. So it's, it really depends. In, but I got sponsors to cover a lot of it. But it, it was like a wedding. It was a wedding. Like, you know, when you prep for a wedding, you got a backdrop, you got centerpieces. Like that's, I, was, I remember like how much it costs. Like the centerpieces, it was like, 20 bucks a piece I had to pay like you know backdrop was like a thousand five hundred like the table covers every table like needs to cover it it's a wedding you know when you, when you go when you have a wedding it's exactly how you you pay for it it's every piece by piece but I wanted to do something big because you know presentation is also very important so the pictures the videos that I got from that helped market for the rest of the sessions because when people look at it they see it as a very professional mm. academy it's not like something running in like in, in your uncle's basement or something you know image is, is everything nowadays especially if you're charging right mm. if you're charging a, a good amount like it's got to match the image mm. so and i wanted to be classy professional that was the, the look that i was trying to go for you know so my question so you you said that you got sponsorship so for people especially in the education market that are looking for sponsors because i've had this conversation with you i'm like i don't know how you do that right i've got the passion i've got the drive but i'll just do it myself because it's so much easier just to kind of just do yeah. it get, convince someone else to, to come on board like i had this amazing project that i don't think i shared it with you I had an idea during the first lockdown and it was going to be world lockdown talk. So I was looking for a sponsorship for that. And I really struggled. I was like, I don't even know where to turn to. We had, we had schools in New Zealand reach out that wanted to work on the project with us. We had people like other organizations in North Africa that reached out, but in terms of sponsorship, I, I didn't know where to turn to. And I know there's other businesses out there that want sponsorship because they, they are trying to do a social initiative. And this was going to be a social initiative. We weren't going to charge the kids. How, what would be your kind of top tips if you are looking to, to get sponsorship? It's all about relationships. Like I, I didn't have to beg anyone for the sponsorships. Well, I wouldn't have got those sponsorships if I wasn't close with the people. If I didn't have a relationship with the people that sponsored it. The people that sponsored my events were, I had, uh, you know, Al Kawthar, which was like a Muslim academy uh, that does education seminars. And I used to go to their courses. It was like the top real estate agent here in, in Ontario in Kawaja. He, he sold like more than a billion dollars worth of real estate. But he was a good friend of mine because we pray in the same mosque. You know, I had Human Concern International. They were the charity that I worked for. There was, oh, uh, Aya Financial, which is a halal mortgage company. I, I, I got my condo with them. 
So as you see, every single one that I mentioned there, I had some form of relationship with them through somewhere, whether it's praying in the mosque, whether it's me purchasing my home, uh, whether it's the courses that I used to attend. At the end of the day, it comes down to the relationships that you have, um, the people that you know. Um, networking is everything, but it's not just knowing people because they can know you and not want to help you. It's, it's being, you know, being on good terms with them, you know, supporting them and, and being ready to take care of them too. And it's got to be a win-win for both, right? So I think, I think that helps. That helps. So knowing you, who the people in your community helps. So utilizing your connections is your kind of top tip. Yeah. Cold calling is tough. You won't get much sponsorships, to be honest. If you're just like calling, hey, you want to sponsor my event? <laughs> uh, school, we got no money for you. So, and for me as a speaker and as an MC and whatnot, like I'm with people all the time. So it made my job a little bit easier when finding sponsorships. But it won't be that easy for everyone else, unfortunately, because it really depends on their field and their personality, right? I think that's so, fair enough. So I need yeah. to uh, make a list of everyone that I know and then see whose pockets I can dig deep into. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, it's not just about taking from them. Um, like when I meet with these guys, I let them know, like, listen, I, I only do partnerships as if it's a win-win. So this is what I'm going to do for you. And this is how I'm going to take care of you. And, and all those guys have vouched for them, not just on that event, but Anytime someone comes to me for for mortgage, halal mortgage, I send them to IF Financial. You know, no interest, go to them. If someone needs a real estate agent, I send them to Shahid Khawaja. You know, that's the guy. You know, charity, I send them to Human Concern International. So it's uh, having their backs too. I think it's important that both parties feel hungry when making that connection and deal, right? Feel mm -hmm. like they're winning can be one-sided. Most people will just want one-sided and that's the big issue. I think networking is underrated. Yeah. I think especially in the education sector because a lot of people that work in the education sector don't think of themselves as a business or don't think of them, uh, think of themselves as teachers, right? They want to help the world. So they don't view themselves as a business and they don't network. And this is something that I'm trying to have a, a focus on, especially in the group that I've created in UK Educators, for it to be a collaborative event, like a, a collaborative community where people network, people learn about, and they work together, they form partnerships. And I think that's so important and it's not done enough that you can't, go and save the world on your own. It needs yeah. to be a network of people. It needs to be a community of people that get together to do that. Exactly. And in, in, in this idea that I'm a teacher and not in business, that'll actually hold you back in succeeding because in order to succeed, in order to get out there, in order to, to hit that, that market and this market and reach this person and that person and do everything that you want to do and do great work, you have to think like a business. Biggest mistake is when you don't think like, because if you don't think like a business, you're not going to grow. Because the only way you're going to grow is through thinking like a business. Because now in a business mindset, if you're not growing, it ain't a business. It shut down the business. So in growing means getting more students, doing more different things, bringing more revenue. I think that is their solution. If they're struggling in any way, that is their solution. So in terms of your recommendation would then be to find a talent, find what your talent is and yeah. to create a business around that talent. Because if you're really good at something and you're able to teach that, it's a win-win, right? Yeah, and you got you to make a living too. You got to think of it this way. Like you got to be hungry enough too. And if you're not bringing enough income for yourself, then you're not going to do as good of a job eventually. Whether you like it or not, that's the truth. But sometimes it's not a business. Sometimes it's just a job. So for anyone out there, you, once you discover your talent, you know, ask yourself, how can I make this into a career? If you can't make it into a career, just do it as a, as a side hustle. 
and find a full-time job. That's what I tell them. So like kids, I don't tell them, you know, if, if they're amazing artists, I don't tell them not, you can, well, you, our parents would say, that's a waste, you know, forget way of the artist. I say, you know what, you can be artists if you want, but you have to think of a way to make money from being an artist. And if you can't do that, then just keep it as a side passion hustle and find a job and, and keep it on the side. The end of the day, we got to pay the bills. You might have lots of bills. You might have a family and have kids. So you got to look out for yourself. But the number one thing is, and this is good to wrap up, is just get out there. Try as many things as you can. Figure out your strengths. Never stop trying new things because you have so many talents. It's not just one or two. And then once you discover your talents, figure out to make, how you can make that into a career. And then after you do that, figure out how you can give back to your community. How you can support others. Uh, you can support your family first, family first, then your community, city, wherever you live in, and then around the world, you know, globally. And that's my biggest piece of advice. Take over the world. So what's your plan then that you're going to go global? Well, I, uh, I work with a charity. So we're helping our work goes around more than four different, 40 different countries. With the Youth Speaker Academy, I teach around the world now. So we have students everywhere. And, uh, and I have my full-time job working here in my community. I work for the city of Mississauga. So... I'm helping people in my city become more healthy and fit. So for me, that's where I bring my fulfillment. Through all of that, I support my family. So again, that goes back to supporting yourself first, your family, your community, and then internationally through your talents in many different ways, whether it's charity, whether it's fitness, whether it's speaking. For everybody, it will be different. Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us, Hassan. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And I think this is the longest conversation I've had with you. Usually it's on voice notes. It is, it is. <laughs> so it's lovely to actually have a conversation with you. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Bye, everybody. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our conversation and took lots of value from it for your business. Now, if you did, please remember to do me a huge favor and rate and review on your podcast app. And if you don't want to miss another episode, please remember to subscribe. Now, if you missed anything or you want to find out what's coming up next, remember to go to ukeducators.com forward slash podcast, where there's lots of information about the guests upcoming and those that we've already had. I'm Sid. You've been listening into the UK Educators Community Podcast, and I'll see you next Sunday when we release a new episode.